Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Heather, we're talking about dictation today. Is this when somebody comes into the uh, the studio for me and writes down everything I say, or what are we talking about? Yeah, um, not exactly, but we're also not talking about little dictators <laughs> as far as <laughs> the kids dictating our lives. No, the kind of dictation I'm talking about is just the simple matter of of allowing kids to express their ideas way before they can read and write. Because this is really the essence of communication, whether it's through reading, writing, or speaking, or any other form. It's getting those feelings and those ideas out there. And sometimes I think that we feel as adults that there's a stumbling block. Well, we have to teach them the ABCs first before we can get to that. But really, the ideas and the feelings come first. So enter the wonderful world of taking dictation from your child. Um, You can do this with kids as young as two. It depends how verbal they are, how well they can communicate. Sometimes even you can... You can take dictation when you just can see the feeling on their face and see the stamp in their foot. You don't even need always to have have the words. But it works really well with kids who are just on that verge of language and older. Um, Now, I've been going to schools lately because now that I've got a children's book out in the world, it's really fun to go visit elementary schools and middle schools even and talk to the kids about being an author and, and uh, what it's like to write a book. And one thing I love to start out with is telling them that I started writing books before I could read or write. And this always kind of gets some stunned looks. <laughs> but it's totally true. And um, I couldn't read in first grade at all from the beginning to the end. And luckily, back in the 70s, that was A-OK. <laughs> Um, I'd probably be held back these days. But anyway, um, back in my first grade time, it was fine that I couldn't read and that I couldn't write. I thought it was boring. I think I've shared this before that um, during silent reading time, I would look over at the other kids in the class who were actually trying to read the letters and think, well, they're so stupid wasting their time when they could be looking at the pictures. (laughs) So I was not just couldn't read or write, I was very against reading or writing as a young child and I remember those feelings. But my stories were getting out there in the world. In fact, I had published books in first grade and I mean published, I had paperback and hardback. (laughs) Now, this means paperback, they were those papers that have lines on the bottom and blank on the top. Mm -hmm. You know, that was paperback (laughs) with staples along the side. And I would dictate the stories. They were almost all about Leo the Lion. I had about 22 books about Leo the Lion. (laughs) A series, a whole series. And then once in a while, these stories would go, we'd go up to a room upstairs in the school and a volunteer would type the words on, with a typewriter, (laughs) 
um, on paper, and then we would draw the pictures, and it would be turned into a hardback book made out of cardboard with fabric covers. Mm. So when you hit them, they were hard. So those were the published hardback versions. And I had about 11 hardbacks uh, published. Uh, at my, at my count, that's about 33 books right there. Are those in the Heather Shoemaker archives right now? Are they, are they on Yeah, they're on display? my bookshelf here. Are, are you going to put them on There's one right in front of me. Leo the Lion, Leo's Birthday, Leo and the New Baby, Leo Goes Camping. There's a whole stack of them. Oh, my gosh. Um, Heather, will you please read these on your phone and re video it and, and, and start putting them on YouTube? That would, <laughs> that would be so delightful. Well, my very first book, I know how it starts. Um, this is Leo the lion. He lives in the jungle with the other creatures. But then nothing else happens to Leo except he f plays with his friend and goes to bed. <laughs> There's no plot. <laughs> but it's a happy story. He played all day long and went uh -huh. to bed every child's mm -hmm. dream. So anyway, I wrote these stories. I told these stories aloud to mm -hmm. an adult who mm -hmm. wrote them down or typed them. And they were my books. They were my stories. They were the ideas in my head. And I also, um, you know, my mom had had um, been a teacher by that point at the School for Young Children in Columbus, where she'd learned about the power of dictation by writing down the child's feelings. So I had had a lot of my feelings written down. I am mad. <laughs> I am sad. So I was very used to dictating the thoughts and feelings that were inside me and getting them out in the world. But this is a strange notion for a lot of kids and families and teachers, the feeling that you can actually express those ideas way before the child can read and write. And that that's important because those feelings are in there. And yeah. one yeah. of the most wonderful things in the world is, is to be able to get them out. And, and taking dictation is a fantastic way to get them out. Yeah, I've I've got books around the house that uh, we made with with our kids when they were when they were little, and we did the same thing. I mean, some of them are just stapled together, and and some are the thing where you take the the heavy cardboard and you wrap it in fabrics and do the binding, and 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 there's there's all kinds of of ways you can you can make some pretty neat looking do it yourself books, and and those are some of my my favorite memories and and artifacts from from the years our kids were small because we we captured those those moments in time and it's just a it's a delightful early literacy activity you can get involved in if you if you put a little bit of effort into it yeah and just ask the kids you know how does your story start and they'll be off and away and you might have to write really fast to keep up with them <laughs> exactly exactly uh, you know but the emphasis on 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 Memorizing the letters, I don't feel has a place so much. It's the getting the stories out because even I go to a lot of writing conferences and what everybody says these days is trying to find that elusive voice, those, those unique ideas and that voice of the individual author. Well, kids have that voice. They have it from birth. They have to develop it, but it's still, it's coming out of them. Um, and sometimes school kind of hammers away so that they don't have any voice left by the time they pop out the other end yeah. of all those years of schooling. So capture that voice, you know, ask them what their story is. And this may seem really counterintuitive to people who haven't tried it. But when your child is flailing around on the floor in the midst of a temper tantrum, grab a pen, <laughs> a piece of paper, grab a crayon, whatever's handy, and say, let's write that down. Let's write down how you're feeling. 
And you may feel like the silliest person on earth when you say that to a child who's out of control, crying or screaming. But believe it or not, having their feelings written down gets them to stop crying and come over and they'll correct you so that you get it right. Uh-huh. You know, exactly. If you say I'm mad because and you, you kind of guessing what the, the thing is they're mad about because they're so busy screaming they don't have time to tell you. You can kind of start the dictation letter with a wild guess but they will come and correct you until you get it right. No, that's not what it was about. It was because blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll let you know. And um, it's really powerful. So don't worry. They can't read or write. Get those stories out. Get those feelings out. Remember the power of dictation. And, and so, Heather, what are your feelings about using technology to, to capture those things? And I'm thinking about audio and video recording apps on the smart devices most of us are walking around with. Is that a different thing, or are those acceptable tools to use, or what are your thoughts? Well, I think we can always adapt tools, and sometimes you just use what you have. But I think the best things for kids is something very, very tangible, because after you've written down what they say, you give them the piece of paper, and they crumple it in their hands, and they hold on to it, and they have it. Mm-hmm. Or you give them the pen so that they can move their – so it may – not saying don't use it, but it's not ideal. The more, the more hands-on and tangible it can be, um, because the idea of s- symbols and everything to express feelings is pretty abstract anyway. Mm-hmm. So if we make it more abstract into the technology, it, it can get a bit lost. These are young children we're talking about. So give them the most tangible thing you can. Give them something that they can really hold and manipulate and move with their hands and go back to again and again that it's not lost in some file or some audio file somewhere that they, they can't have access to. Okay. Sometimes the kids want to hang on to these pieces of paper. Yeah, and so what when you're when you're when you're taking the dictation, are we doing, are we are we just kind of being the assistant secretary in the corner, jotting it down? Or are we talking about about letter shapes and all that kind of stuff? We're, we're not <laughs> trying to do any teaching here, are we? Well, it's emotional teaching, or it's, well, it's yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, but we're yeah. We're, so, you're, you're, and you're also writing down what they say. So uh-huh. if they say, I'm mad, I hate you, you won't give me a cookie, you write down, I'm mad, <laughs> I hate, I hate you, you won't give me a cookie. Just write down what they say. Sometimes you can say things like, um, I'm mad, I'm so mad, I'm saying I hate you. You can sometimes do that. But if they don't want those extra words in, take them out. Uh-huh. <laughs> because you're capturing a moment in time. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't talk about shapes of letters. I've never talked good. about shapes of letters. Good. That could, that could probably hold be whole another podcast because <laughs> there there seems to be a, a lot of a lot of effort out there to take these these genuine moments and turn them into. You're doing enough teaching as it is. Yeah. By listening to the feelings or concentrating on the story. Um, and it, again, in the story, if everybody dies in the story, that is fine. You know, don't say, oh, shouldn't they all be friends and have cake together? Um, you know, instead of all <laughs> having some tragic ending. If there's a tragic ending in the story that the child is telling you, then write it down. Um, by second grade, I had the tragedy of Freddy the Octopus. <laughs> I moved away from Leo the Lion. I had Freddy the Octopus. Oh, no, what happened to and, Freddy the Octopus? Well, he died on the very last page, and the last words are, he was dead. <laughs> they cried. 
Um, it's because I was, I was remember that my dad had said that a lot of the greatest books in all of literature are tragedies. And I remember <laughs> this at age seven and I wanted to write great literature. So I determined that my next story would be a tragedy and I killed off Freddie and all the eight little baby octopuses were crying and the mother octopus was crying. And then his best friend I killed off for good measure too. His <laughs> best friend was a scuba diver who got, ran out of oxygen when he got stuck in a giant clam. Oh my gosh, please read it on YouTube. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, we, kids we have reasons for dark stories uh-huh. or whatever's interested them or the topic of death is very interesting to kids. So let those topics come out, get those stories down and don't overanalyze it. Just if they feel listened to and cared for, they're going to be fine. Because our job is to take dictation, not to editorialize. And, and uh, Our job is just to take dictation. So next. steady shorthand, whatever it is. <laughs> Any more on this one before we wrap it up? No, except give it a try. If this sounds strange and something you've never done before with a child, give it a try. And if, it, if the feelings one sounds a little scary at first, then start with dictating a story when they're feeling in a good mood. And then that might get you both into the, the mode of taking dictation. I th- yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. We've used it. And uh, there's so much. And I think it, it's just it's a good relationship builder, too, on some level, because the, the, the child, real, they see you listening to them and being attentive to the stuff that's coming out of their little face. And that's, that's a big deal for well, all of us, uh, 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 a lot of the time, that, that somebody's paying attention. And that's a, yep. that's a, that's a good thing. It's hey, a good thing. It's powerful. So yeah. try it out. This has been Renegade Rules. We will be back soon with another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being a bit of a renegade when you're out there in the world. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.